Welcome in Impact Is Own podcast. Luke Sloan, Trent Bally here with you today. We uh, we're back. the The podcast is back. We we've made it from from New York City. We we've got a lot of tales to tell along the way. But hey, Trent is here. Happy birthday to Trent as well. It was his birthday uh, over the weekend on Friday. So happy yeah, birthday, Trent. I had a good time. We went out in Grand Rapids. Shout out to the city. Love Grand Rapids. A fine, fine American city. But we are back. Impact is on his back. Of course, your home for Michigan State University men's basketball. The The Spartans are 1-1. One and one. They obviously lost at Kansas, We or against Kansas. We all thought that that was going to be a victory for MSU, and all three of us were wrong, Brendan included. So there's egg on our face. I think we did a little bit of mental gymnastics. To, to, to Probably. But, you know, look, going into that game, and Sloan, obviously, I'll let you set the stage in a minute here, but the Spartans were unranked, and I think that term, unranked, gets thrown around pretty loosely sometimes. People just throw teams out because they're unranked. Yeah. So the Spartans were 26th, so they yeah. were actually the first unranked team. It was a competitive game, too. I mean, it, they there were spurts in that first half when I thought that they had a very, very competitive chance to win. Yeah. New York City, though, was a very fun time. We were in many different places. Chicago, Washington, D.C. We were in planes all over America. We tra- You didn't see a big rat or anything, because I know that that's that was one thing you were interested in seeing. But That was on my bucket list. And you know what's funny is I am definitely afraid of, like, like rats. And ah, it, might be, it might not be a bad thing that you didn't see a rat. I just kind of wanted, wanted the full experience. That was one of the things. I, True. I've been in New York City before. I've just never seen a rat. We we definitely got after it in terms of checking off touristy New York City boxes. We went and visited Madison Square Garden. We obviously for the game. We went and visited Times Square the first night we were there about a week ago. Literally, we uh, went and had a nice drink over uh, at, a, at kind of a patio bar with a, a singer in off right off Times Square. It was he was While fantastic? We there, While we were there, yes, the entire men's basketball team, Michigan State, that is, walked right by us. Yeah, th- 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 it was great timing. Talk about a small world. Crazy. Small world and how big of a city New York yeah. is. It, that is just insane. Yeah. That they walked right past us. I think it, I, I was, I mean, we were just sitting there having beverages, relaxing, enjoying ourselves. Obviously, this was the night before the game. And I was just, I was sitting next to you and Brendan was facing the other way. And I said, oh my gosh. I was like, I know who those, I know who those guys are. That's the Michigan State University men's basketball team. So, hey, that, that was a fine little place though. It was a, kind of an it was an Irish pub had a singer. It was right near Times Square. We also got lots of New York food. We got pizza, which was very good. By the way, the weather was insane when we were there. Oh, sixty it was, degrees. It, it touched seventy. Sixty it touched seventy on Saturday, which was. I mean, that was. I felt like it, I put a joke on my Snapchat story saying we were on spring break. Yeah. Spring break in New York City. It was a floor of like sixty. Yeah, we got pizza, we got black and white cookies, we we sightseed, we walked around, we did a little bit of shopping in the Manhattan Times Square area. So I think we checked all of our boxes off for New York City. It was a fantastic trip. It was a lot of fun and shout out to our employer. Yes. Thank you, Jeremy Whiting, Impact Eighty Nine FM. We appreciate you as always. Hey, and we're not done yet. We have a trip coming up. We're going to Indianapolis, Indiana for Michigan State's game against Butler in the Gavit Games. So we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday. We're going tomorrow on Wednesday. We're, that's going to be a lot of fun. Impact89fm.org slash sports. Trent will have the game story all written and ready to go. And then Brendan and I will be on the call pregame at 640 on WDBM and 88.9 FM in the Lansing area. But let's dive into this Kansas game a little bit. We talked about our fun 
experience being in New York City. It was not as fun of an experience for the Spartans on the floor. All three of us predicted a Spartan W. I predicted 78-73 Spartans. Brendan predicted 79-75. And Trent predicted the Spartans by two. So yeah, shame on us, brave. I suppose. I'm a lot less brave than you guys are. Yeah. Michigan State, uh, they they lost to Kansas, 87-74. A couple of the top performers uh, during that game. A.J. Hogar, he led the Spartans with 17 points. Julius Marble coming off the bench had 13, and Marcus Bingham Jr. and Gabe Brown each had 10 points. Ochai Abaji led all scorers with 29 points, and he was extremely impressive during this game. And I guess this kind of transitions me into my first uh, question that I had for you, Trent, and that would be about... Kansas, obviously an 87-74 win in this one. Abaji was impressive. David McCormick was impressive. It seems like the Jayhawks have kind of a locked and loaded team. Bill Self has a pretty deep squad. And I think you, myself, Brandon, we all came away pretty pleased with the Jayhawks' performance. And I think we're going to have our eye on them as a team that can do some stuff in March. Absolutely. Um, you, Kansas, of course, they're a blue blood program. They're always right there when it gets to March. Now, sometimes they flame out and have some bad losses. But to start the season, man, they showed exactly why they were number three coming in. And that's even without any much much to base it on, you know, just preseason exhibition games and just scouting reports. But they're no joke. And I really think that, you know, Bill Self is so seasoned at this point. And he's got such a, you know, we talk about how the NCAA basketball regime has just become so it's almost like the coaches are general managers yeah you talk about pretty much portal. i mean right here time ends up getting tyson walker to come over has been a huge and the freshman as well discussion. and the freshman so bill self to be able to do that and have a couple of you know 20 point per game scores on his roster or at least potential to do so kansas has wagon potential yeah they obviously you have someone like ochai abaji coming back he had 29 in that game against michigan state david mccormick coming back but you, you bring in guys like Jamin Coleman-Lands, Joseph Yesifu, other transfers, Remy Martin from Arizona State. Fantastic pickup, Great player as well. He didn't have the, the greatest game against Michigan State, but I think you could definitely see some flashes that Kansas fans should be pretty excited about. But I like the way you put it that head coaches of college athletic teams, you know, obviously we see this on the gridiron here with Mel Tucker, are almost like general managers in that, Hey, not only are they navigating recruiting, but they're going out and, and hitting the portal as well. And I think, oh yeah, for this for football, once again making a football reference. If if they didn't hit the portal, you know, college free agency, Tom Izzo calls it, they wouldn't be nearly where they are right now. You know, signed Kenneth Walker. So, but nevertheless, we'll we'll get back into some Michigan State things, and we have a series of questions that we're going to run through. Once again, recapping Michigan State's. 87-74 loss to Kansas in the Champions Classic at Madison Square Garden last week. The three of us had a fantastic time covering the game at the Garden and enjoying New York City. But we'll get into the X's and the O's, the nuts and the bolts here now. A couple of Spartans, a few Spartans that didn't necessarily have their greatest games that stood out a little bit more than the others. Did the stage of New York City get to some of the, the newer Spartans like Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins, Max Christie, Aikens had a couple of turnovers. Tyson Walker had some pretty serious foul trouble he had to deal with for pretty much the entire game, and Max Christie had a pretty off shooting night. All three of these guys are going to be, you know, players the team the Spartans rely on pretty heavily this year. They didn't have any of them in this game, and I think that probably can be chalked up on maybe some first game jitters and the foul trouble for Christie plus the stage at MSG. Yeah, so if you go down the line here, 
I just don't think I'm not quite sure Jaden Akins was a hundred percent ready for that stage. Yeah. And I can't even blame him. He's a freshman. I'm not gonna get after him for it. You know, clearly time is I'll see something there. Because the guy played what? Twelve minutes. You know, that's yes. just almost a half of basketball. He mentioned too that he's gonna need kind of another guard in the rotation to step up. So I mean yeah. that's gonna have to be Akins this year. I, I you know, I know Brendan isn't necessarily as high on him playing a lot, but he has so far this year. And we'll check back on that with Brendan tomorrow or, or next week's episode. But Sloan, you were ahead of the curve saying you think Aikens will be a real part of this rotation, yeah. meaning eight or ten minutes a game. I think and so for sure. I, I, I kind of am in lockstep with you. I see that happening simply because, like you say, you lost two guards to, to transfer portal last season. You know, Rocket Watts and Foster Lawyer, two guys who played a good amount of minutes. So that's the Aikens thing. I'm going to tuck that away for a second. I see potential there. I just think he needs a little more confidence. As far as Christie goes, I think he has all the confidence in the world. That man kept shooting. He's just got to see a few more go in. And I think that's ultimately where his struggles came. He still he led the whole team in minutes, 31 minutes. So Tom Izzo clearly doesn't have any lack of um, confidence in him. And I don't think Christie has a lack of confidence in himself. I think, you know, and you saw it against Western Michigan a little more, that Christie, you know, when he gets rolling a little bit, he is absolutely – he could lead the whole team in scoring when it's all said and done. I think Sloan, you predicted that. Yeah, his his defense was really, really strong as well, you know, both in this Kansas game and the Western Michigan game. So if there's anything that he hasn't let kind of continue, it'd be, you know, that defense. But you know, Tyson Walker is another guy as well who really That's struggled. The biggest story. Yeah, and it was it was easily the foul trouble. Was, I think so too. I mean, he only played four minutes in the first game, yeah. even though he did get the start. And we know that, you know, the the silver lining there was that AJ Hogard. A guy who's a sophomore and, and, you know, has that year under his belt, he was able to come into Madison Square Garden and have the best game of his career. So those two guys, you know, I think the best, I think when it's all said and done, when we really look at this team in March, their best lineup is going to be with both those guys on the floor. I truly believe that at yeah. the same time. I, I completely agree. That's something to monitor going forward. I'm not worried about Tyson Walker. I predicted he'd have a double-double against Western. Didn't exactly happen, but he just looked a lot more confident. And Sloan, you mentioned it. Yeah. Even... Even on the, uh, you know, with the foul trouble and stuff, you could see it from him on the defensive end. He, you could see it. He, he was playing very well. He's got quick hands. And I just think, you know, what when he pushes the ball and the Spartans are able to get out and transition a little more, that's where a lot of his points will come. You know, another thing I want to get into from this Kansas game, and, you know, we talked about a, a trio of, of backcourt players here, and the a guy in the front court, Marcus Bingham Jr., he had a, a very good game, 10 points against Kansas, but he didn't get as much run as I know the three of us thought he would down the stretch, Julius Marble was played in favor of him. And even though Marble had 13 points against Kansas, he did struggle a little bit on the defensive end. And, you know, Bingham Jr. really did nothing to lose his starting spot, so to speak, in that game. Very good on both ends of the floor. I, I think all three of us were a little bit puzzled that he didn't get more run in this Kansas game. Yeah, only 18 minutes. And, and that, you know, coming out of that game was my biggest, my single biggest gripe with this team, the way they played, the way they were coached. Marcus Bingham only got 18 minutes. So yeah. Spectacular when he got in there. You know, the NBA couple of blocks. 36 minutes in the NBA. You just take his stuff and you double it. Mm -hmm. 14 and 20 for 36 minutes. So that'll work. And I just think ultimately Julius Marble was favored down the stretch simply because he had his offensive game rolling a little bit more than Marcus did. And when the team gets down like that, you might look to a Julius Marble to get you those, get you that production uh, down on the block. But Sloan, I do want to mention. There was a stretch about 12 minutes into that Kansas game where McCormick, fantastic player for Kansas. Great player. Great player. He was one of four from the field. 
all three misses right at the rim, and Marcus Bingham had a block and five boards in that in that stretch. McCormick, he was in foul trouble as well, part of Bingham hampering him a little bit. So, and I just think that Bingham that that just speaks volumes about him really rising to the occasion, being that senior leader on this squad, and, and going forward, I really think I picked him to be the MVP of the team in terms of coining the value of of Spartan basketball, really anchoring that defense and. And, and going forward, and we'll talk about the Butler game coming up here, he could impose his will on this Butler game. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to take away from what Julius Marble was able to do in this game at all because I think one thing we can say, you know, through the Kansas game and the Western Michigan game is that the, the whoever has played major minutes at center for the Spartans, whether it be Marcus Bingham Jr., whether it be Julius Marble, even Maudie Sissoko getting some run as well, I think, you know, especially all three of them played in this Kansas game. I've been very impressed, and I think that that, you know, center, after being a spot the the Spartans really struggled at last year, is going to be something they are much improved on, you know, this year. Yeah, that was a big... Everyone talks about the point guard situation last season and how that was just horrendous. You didn't really have a true point guard. You had Forson Rocket Watts and Aaron Henry, and the shoe just doesn't quite fit. But there was also a lack of depth and toughness and strength in the middle. And Marcus Bingham is another guy who's just put on weight every single year. He's been here at MSU. And in the small sample size this season, I think he's played tremendous. And again, I think Julius Marble can be brought in. Those guys can kind of trade off for offensive and defensive advantage. Suzoko is, is a very good option as well. I know you're a big-time Suzoko guy. I, I really think that you don't have to change much of what you're doing defensively when you bring him in. Correct, I agree. Because I think they have very similar skill sets. It's just that Madi doesn't quite possess the offensive control and, and and focus and that's not a detriment to him it's just Marcus Bingham's two years more experienced he just is more experienced in general in terms of minutes he's been improving as well on the offensive end he you know caught a couple of lobs in, in that western Michigan game he, he's starting to control his body a little bit more in the post which I think is important but you know I want to talk before we head into western Michigan and then uh, preview the Butler game a couple of more quick hitting things that we want the Spartans to improve on after this game, I you know I wrote these down as bullet points on our podcast planning sheet here. Turnovers, fast break, and the half-court offense were probably the three main things that we singled out as stuff that the Spartans needed to improve on. Is there any, any one of those three that you would put more of an emphasis on than the two others? Turnovers, because I think that the team actually was not perfect, far from perfect on the fast break, but they were still able to generate some offense there. Yeah, I think the turnovers was the biggest detriment to the Spartans. You know, he's 16 turnovers and only 12 assists. And A, that's not Spartan basketball. B, that's not winning basketball no matter where you are. Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, interception to touchdown ratio or vice versa, whatever. Football, to make another football analogy, the equivalent in basketball is assist to turnovers. Mm-hmm. And this team, you know, 16 to 12 ain't great. So I think that was the biggest thing hindering the Spartans, especially against a good team like Kansas. They'll make you pay. Against yeah. a team like Western Michigan or another MAC opponent or Butler, another mid-major, you could maybe get away with that, but it's still going to be within single digits the whole time if you're turning the ball over at that clip. They're, you know, I, just giving a shout-out to, to the, you know, the offense in the half court, it wasn't as crisp as we would normally see, but this kind of leads me into the last point that we had about the Kansas game in that, you know, even though this team wasn't necessarily clicking on the break, the defense was pretty strong even though they gave up 87 points they had some good defensive stretches even though that's not a total they'd like but in the half court a little bit disorganized on offense but I think the thing that we all three came away from with this game and that is something that we felt positive about 
is that we believe that the pieces are in place for this team to succeed against other high-level teams the rest of the year. Obviously, they lost by 13 to Kansas, 87-74. But we, I think that between Max Christie, between a Jaden Akins, a Gabe Brown, a Joey Hauser, Marble, Bingham, Hogard, Walker, you all saw you know little stretches from each one of those players in this game that makes you think once this team gets it rolling, it's going to have the bullets and the gun to win those big games than it didn't have last year because this team hung for most of the game. When there is a set rotation come March, I just I see the Spartans giving teams fits. And we talked about this in our whole season prediction episode, Sloan. I've got the Spartans at about a 4-5 or five seed this year. I mm-hmm. think they're going to be, you know, come Christmas, I think they'll be ranked, and I think they'll start to pick up steam a little bit. I think Tom Izzo scheduling strong non-conference opponents. It always is a good feather in the Spartans' cap. For so sure. something to watch. And you're exactly right, Sloan. There is depth on this team. There's a lot of, you know, in the half court, you'll be able to figure things out solely because of your wing depth in particular. But I think that is the number one thing to watch going forward. You nailed it. We'll transition into the Western Michigan game. Obviously, Michigan State was 0-1 after Kansas losing in the Champions Classic at Madison Square Garden. We were also in attendance for the Western Michigan game. And that is where Michigan State got its first win of the season, beating the Broncos 90-46. to It was the first win in front of a full Breslin Center crowd since March 8th of 2020. So, you know, even though it was a 90-46 to Michigan State win, the thing that was meaningful about this was having fans back, and it really felt like normal Spartan basketball. Absolutely, and admittedly, Sloan, this was my 22nd birthday as you hey, too. So I was feeling 22. I was not in, in I was not in an analytical state of mind. I absolutely did. Luca Luca Maloney Luca Maloney was there. Phil filled in for Trent did a great job. He he was awesome. He did. Luca's exceptional. Shout out. But you know, Sloan, you told me basically there's nothing that's not on the stat sheet that to, to really talk about. A million percent. And I, and I guess so. I'm looking at the stat sheet, and I guess Joey Hauser having a 12 and 12 double double. That's that's something. Very this important. Is a guy who after the 27-point special on Christmas against Wisconsin a year ago, he kind of lost his confidence on the offensive side in particular because we know he's not great in man-to-man defense or any defense or mm-hmm. up and down the floor, but he can shoot it, and he can provide some really clutch buckets for this team when they need it. So I guess that was the biggest thing that I'm looking at. Can Joey Hauser maintain that 12-12 and clip? I think the only thing that really kind of went beyond the box score in this game would be Western Michigan's injury losses of Beardis White and the foul trouble that center Titus Wright had to go to. Both these injuries put them out for the majority of the game. Beardis White got injured in the first half. It was kind of a left leg, knee, ankle injury. Kind of strange what might be going on with that. Titus Wright had big-time foul trouble for the entire game, but obviously those are Western Michigan's best players, but I don't think having them in would have change the final score that much in the game, obviously because Western Michigan is projected to be one of the worst teams in the MAC. but if there's anything that the box score does not explain, it would be that. But we'll stick to what actually happened. Gabe Brown led all scores with 17 points. Joey Hauser had a 12-12 and double-double. Marcus Bingham Jr. also had another impressive performance, a couple of blocks, 12 points, and Tyson Walker had 9 points. And, you know, I just put this question in here, and, I, you know, you and I were talking back and forth before we started recording about this. The question is, did the Spartans accomplish what you wanted them to do during this game? And to me, the answer to that question is yes. They almost doubled up a, a MAC team, a group of five team. 
They improved on some things. They still have some things to improve on, but they improved on some things after Kansas, and they looked a lot more comfortable, and they got that first win. So in terms of my personal checklist, they accomplished everything I wanted them to. Yeah, this is a game that you schedule if you're Tom Izzo just to it, – it's almost a tune-up game before – you know, we, we always talk about Tom Izzo in his non-conference, and he'll die on the hill of I'd rather my guys start the season with a tough loss to a tough opponent then win eight or nine games in a row, get the pat on the back, and then you got a letdown as soon as, as soon as the you know the rubber meets the road in the Big Ten. So mm-hmm. this is a game that you schedule, as you say, Sloan, to pretty much almost double up a team. You're just yeah. trying to get that run and, and, and really get your guys acclimated to playing with each other. And if that was the mission, mission accomplished, regardless of who Western had injured. I think my personal biggest storyline from this game was Tyson Walker. Now, I know he only had nine points, but he had six assists as well couple of steals, but more importantly than the the stat sheet, he looked a lot more comfortable in the offense. He looked, he was smothering on defense. And I'd, I'd say a, a bounce back is a, is a very good way to simply put what happened. I know the up, down theory, it was the up-down theory. We talked a lot about the up-down theory on the Green and White Report this past week. Shameless plug, WDBM 11-1 to on Sundays. But nevertheless, he just looked more like the Tyson Walker we're going to see in green and white. A player who gets after it on both ends. He is his instincts and his quickness on defense are two things that are I would you know beg to say elite skills for him. He's going to be a hell of a defender. He showed that off in this game and then on offense as well. He's still going to he's still working on getting his own a little bit but he, he he six assists in this game. He he had much more of a game to expect. For this guy to average almost 19 points per game in a, in a mid-major conference at Northeastern. Northeastern, we and love him. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. He won Defensive Player of the Year in that conference. So those are two things to look at. But, of course, for him to come over to a, to a Big Ten conference that is just in-your-face, gritty, brutal, hitting the floor all the time. It's football. You would expect his production on paper to go down a little bit. What I will say, Sloan, is he only played 20 minutes against the Broncos, and I don't think he's going to play – less than that or at that number all season again if he's healthy definitely he's going to play 25 minutes to 30 minutes maybe even more than that on his hot nights who knows so i think you know if he plays his typical rotational minutes again the spartans won this game by 90 to 46 so if he's able to play his rotational minutes i think he does get a double double and he leaves the spartans I think he's I think he's developing pretty on par for what I'd expect at this point. He's a transfer player. He's also a point guard. And Tom Izzo's point guards are an extension of himself on the floor. So there is extra pressure to get players in place on defense to make sure that that half-court offense is is flowing in a crisp manner. He's also a transfer. This is his first time at the the Power 5 level. So for Spartan fans who thought that he would come in and automatically score 20 points a game, you know, I, I'd pump the brakes on that a little bit, but a game like this, even though it wasn't his greatest game statistically, the comfort level was much more up to par with what we expect for Walker. But I think it's pretty safe to say that, hey, it, it's okay. It, he's just a sophomore. It's okay to expect a couple of growing pains through the non-conference schedule as he gets acclimated to this Michigan State team, playing point guard for Tom Izzo, and you know, playing bigger schools. He's not at Northeastern anymore. Right, and again, that's where it's just so important. It cannot be understated, the importance of balancing this non-conference schedule. You have your teams like Loyola Chicago and even Butler's respectable, and of course Kansas. Louisville as well. A lot of teams. A lot of great tests. So there's tests there, but then there's also the teams like Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, 
where you can go in there and just roll and gain some confidence even if you're only playing 20 minutes. Those are those confidence-boosting games, which, you know, I, I credit Tom Izzo and the schedule he makes because... That's why they're on the schedule. Yeah, there's it's a very nice blend of confidence-building games, games when you can test your team, you know, buy wins. People talk about buy wins. Everybody's got them. This was one of them. Another person I want to talk about in this game would be Marcus Bingham Jr. Now, I've been personally very, very impressed with the start of his season. Almost a double-double in, in, in both games. Double-digit scoring in each game. He's just as much of a defensive force as we could have expected. I think it's been a very steady start to the year for him. He's, he's split time at center with Julius Marble pretty evenly, so nothing really jumps off the page, you know, to your point about per 36 minutes as being a more sobering statistic. But I, I'm very impressed with where he's at through two games. Yeah, and again, before people jump off, jump up on me for saying the per 36 minutes thing, I am aware that college games are much yes. than NBA games. I'm simply just saying, like you say, Sloan, it's more of a sobering statistic, tells the full story, because when these guys... Marcus Bingham's not only going to play 18 minutes a game this season. So that, that was the case in the Kansas game. Yeah. And again, to bring up the Kansas game one more time, Marcus Bingham offensively, because he gets so much credit for his defense, but offensively, he was 5 of 7 on the low block. And that's something that Coach Izzo really, really emphasized his disappointment with because, you know, as soon as Bingham comes out of the paint, he was 0 for 3. So if he's able to stay down there, all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's shooting 75% as opposed to 50 when you add in his misses from the perimeter. So I just think if Marcus Bingham is able to keep doing the dirty work, keep grinding, keep bumping and bruising people, he, he could average close to a double-double, as I predicted, before the season. He, five of seven, you know, which is another great point Against about Bingham. Cormick, who is fantastic. Very, very efficient. And, and like you said, those are where you want his shots to be. Against Western, he did not attempt a three-pointer, which I still wouldn't rule out the occasional three-pointer for him because I don't want to limit his offensive game necessarily, but you're going to want to keep that you know, attempt number probably under three, maybe around three per game. But nevertheless, that's what Izzo wanted to see him do. You know, Obviously, there's still a couple of things that we'd like to see them improve on after this game. Turnovers, still a problem against this Western team. There were some some pretty stupid turnovers. And then three-point shooting as well. The Spartans only shot 21%. But the three point, with the three point shooting, I don't expect it to be a lingering problem. There's just way too many guys on this team who shoot the ball effectively. Tyson Walker, Christie, Hauser, Gay Brown, AJ Hogart is a much improved shooter. You know, even Malik Hall was an improved shooter last year. I don't expect the three point shooting problems to continue because so far it's been a problem through two games. But I think that's something that's going to correct itself. Not really necessarily an improvement, but a correction in the stats. By default, too, and this team's mantra is defend, rebound, run. A big part of running is getting guys to the corner and knocking down that corner three. Gabe Brown is one of the best in the country. Not the big time, the country. Corner pocket. Corner pocket, corner pocket Gabe Brown, that's his spot. Because eventually, you'll see, as we did last season, midway through the season, when Gabe Brown gets to the corner, he's able to pump fake, get a guy in the air, and either have a chance at a four-point play or just go all the way to the rack and slam it home because he can jump out of the Breslin Center. You know that's a that's a that's perfect that's a perfect point as well because against Western he had 17 of course but he was five of ten from the field and seven of seven from the free throw line with seven rebounds so he he made it happen a little bit more on the boards and in the paint so to your point getting to the line is a big thing that Coach Izzo has been you know emphasizing for Gabe Brown specifically he's a 90 percent free throw shooter and as you best know, on the team easily this one this season so that's just definitely something to watch for this offense's production you know seven. Seven points a game from the line alone, 
that that's exceptional for a Gabe Brown who you know is really trying to take the bull by the horns this season and be the leader as the captain. I guess the last point I want to make, just looking down the stat sheet, is that the rebounding numbers were pretty impressive. A guard in Max Christie had six of them. Hauser obviously had 12. He's a very good rebounder. Marcus Bingham Jr. also almost had a double-double. He had eight rebounds. Gabe Brown had seven rebounds. Izzo wants him to crash the boards a little bit more. A.J. Hogarth had four boards. Julius Marble had six boards in 14 minutes off the bench. If there's if this Michigan State team is going to get back to playing Michigan State basketball, defend, rebound, run, the rebound part was not there last year, but so far they held their own against Kansas and they dominated Western on the boards. I mean, 58 total rebounds to 20 or to 28. That's that's something that's got to be back, and I think it, this team has got the potential to because of the some of these guards that can rebound. Absolutely, and that I almost had to laugh because in that Kansas performance, it was Bingham and Hauser and, and Marble and Malik Hall who were getting the majority of the rebounds. And after the game, Coach Izzle said, "You know our." Our, uh, our guards and our wings didn't rebound very well, and that's going to be important for us. And I'm almost laughing there because I'm like, I can't believe that that's just something that is a hallmark of Michigan State basketball that Izzo expects is for his guards and his wings to rebound almost just as effectively and efficiently as the bigs do. So, mm-hmm. so you're exactly yeah. right. This team, and especially in a Big Ten, that is a big, big Ten. That's a, that's a huge key. I completely agree. You know, let's we'll transition into Butler now. With the, the the Bulldogs, we're going back to Indiana. That's number one. This is already our second trip to Indiana this year. And not the last. No, not at all. Hey, there's going to be plenty more to come. But uh, Indiana's going to love us. Indi- we're going to have that trip down, Sloan. You're going to be like ready. To, you, you know which gas stations to stop at. Rest stop, rest gas stop, station, rest. Yeah, ice cream. Yeah, we might have to go back to the uh, the ice cream machine rest stop. Who knows? Maybe we'll we'll tweet a picture of it, perhaps. But <laughs> hey. I think before we even get into basketball, covering a game at Hinkle Field House is going to be a hell of an experience, and it's something I'm very much looking forward to. Hoosiers is one of my favorite sports movies. It's probably my favorite sports movie, pound for pound. So I'm excited. It's a great that. movie. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to measure the hoops. I'm excited to do the whole thing. And, and just be, to be in that presence in a building with that kind of history. And, dude, Butler is a great I, – that, that is just a great program in general and what they've been able to do. They epitomize the Indiana basketball field. Yes. So this is just going to be a lot of fun. Underdog team. But the hey, underdog, Bulldog, no pun intended. The Bulldogs are led this year. They're led this year by guard Chuck Harris, who averages 16 points a game. He's a good three-point shooter, 39% so far this year. Another guard, Jair Bolden, he averages 15 points a game, is shooting 60% from three. And then their top to round out their top three leading scores is uh, Jaden Taylor, another guard. He shoots thirty percent from three, not as good, but he averages fourteen points per game. So this is going to be a a game centered around guards and and for, kind of for the, for the third straight game in a row. Kansas started three guards. Western Michigan started three guards. Butler is going to start three guards. So once again, the Spartans could be looking at a, a potential size advantage against the Bulldogs. They weren't really able to exploit that against Kansas. They did against Western, but this, it should be an advantage for them going up against, once again, another, another team that's going to go small against them. Yeah, yeah, Sloan, you talk about Butler's production from their guards. I mean, they got three guys, what, 14-plus points per game? All three of them. A lot of production from those guards. So this is going to be about the guards. So I look at this as an opportunity for Marcus Bingham to really protect the rim. I look yes. at this as an opportunity for the Spartans to get oiled up on perimeter defense and really, you know, let that start to take form of what they're going to look like on the perimeter, on the defensive side of the court. So 
there's a there's a good opportunity here. I think the Spartans will win. We'll talk about predictions here in a second. But this is a good opportunity for, you know, Butler's no slouch. So Not at all. They're going there with a game plan. They're going to have to execute. And like you say, it's going to be a, it's going to have a lot to do with their guard play. This is a game that they're going to have to get up for as well, especially considering that the game plan against them has been to go small. Kansas went small. Butler is a, you know, a three-guard team, so they're obviously going to go small. But it seems like early this year that's developing as kind of the game plan against Michigan State is to go small against Michigan State's size. So that's going to be a, a pretty big matchup to watch. First true road game of the season for Michigan State. What do you see as uh, keys to victory in this game for Michigan State being? Keys to victory is Tyson Walker is going to have to push the tempo. I really look at him to do that. I think A.J. Hogarth has to get back in double-digit scoring. And I really think, uh, I already mentioned it, but I think Marcus Bingham has to deny everything at the rim. I think he's got to have two or three block shots for the Spartans to win this game. And I do think that will happen. I also look at Gabe Brown. I think this could be another game where Gabe Brown really gets his stroke from deep and starts to find that rhythm that he will carry with him throughout the season that will be such a, you know, such a bullet in the Spartans' chamber going forward this season. So I think those are the three biggest things. I'm looking at those bigs as well, whether it be Joey Hauser, whether it be Marcus Bingham Jr. These are experienced bigs, you know, Malik Hall. Experienced bigs that need to step up in these experienced spots. You know, it's going to be a tough environment. Hinkle Fieldhouse is, is a place that gets loud. Butler's got very good fans. They have a lot of tradition. So I'm looking at the veterans of this team. You know, even someone like Tyson Walker. Well, maybe well, maybe this will be a preview of who we see potentially step up as a leader of this team because it's the first true road test of the year. Yeah, it's all about keeping your keeping your composure. I almost said compassion. Complete wrong word. Compassion, composure. composure. It's all about doing that. And I, it, again, like Izzo, too. Finding your rotation and finding the right balance here in this game. That's going to be a big... It, we keep saying it. Butler is no slouch. There is a universe where the Spartans lose this game, and they lose it ugly. It, I think it's easily on the table. We'll get to predictions now, though. I'll start off with mine. I have the Spartans winning this game 77-65 relatively comfortably, but not an extreme blowout by any means. I think this is a tight game throughout, but I think Michigan State's veteran leadership and their experience kind of lead the way at the end of this game. I see a big game for Max Christie coming, you know, talking about my gut feeling. It seems like he's just due for a breakout on both sides of the ball. I got him having a big game. I got State winning by 12. All right, I like it, Sloan. I'm going to go a little lower scoring than you are, just simply because I think the Spartans are going to impose their will on defense. Grit, grind, Indiana basketball. I've got a 68-59 to 59 victory for the Spartans. A little closer. Really low scoring. I'm talking I, – I think Butler actually is going to jump out to a – a small lead in the beginning, say first 10 minutes, maybe Butler has a six-point lead. But I think the longer the game goes on and the more depth that is put on display, the Spartans are by far the deeper team. They have by far the better defense. And I just think that, you know, over the course of a 40-minute ball game, the Spartans will really take control. As far as the leading scorer goes, I like either Hauser or Walker for the simple fact that I think that this is going to be a half-court ball game for the Spartans. And I think they're really going to try to really find that rhythm in the half-court offense, and Hauser is the huge benefactor of that. I love that you have Hoosiers on your mind, and, and you're thinking, of, we might have to name this podcast episode title Hoosiers. We're running the picket fence, baby. You got the defensive uh, mindset for this week. I love it, though. This is could be a game that uh, they have to kind of grind out, which would be a, a very good experience for them. But tune in to our coverage from Indianapolis. We will keep you updated on the trip. 
Perhaps we'll tweet a picture of the ice cream vending machine and we'll go back to it. We'll have to find that rest stop, make sure we remember it. But you can find our podcast anywhere you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, impact89fm.org. Brendan and I are going to be on the call Wednesday night from Hinkle Field House, 640 for pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off. You can follow Trent on Twitter, at Trent Valley. Is that correct? That is correct. Follow me, please. No letters or numbers or underscores no, or spaces? No, I Trent Valley at Trent Valley, capital T, capital capital B. You know who it is. He'll have the game story on impact89fm.org slash sports. But before we break, before we hit uh, hit another week off, before we have another podcast next week, any uh, final thoughts on any of these games so far this year? Butler tomorrow, our trip to Indiana, already the second one this year. Any final thoughts on your mind before we break? Nothing noteworthy. I'm just really fired up for this game. I got to tell you, for going back to Indiana the second time in a month or whatever it's been. It is a month. I'm surprisingly excited to go back to Indiana and and, and really, this is going to be a fun road trip for one, but for two, I think, you know, we're we're going back this time for a game instead of just two days. So uh, hopefully we're in for a joyful five-hour car ride back. Plus, our hotel has a hot tub. So that's a that's yeah. a massive plus. That's Sloan's final thought. Indoor hot tub, indoor swimming pool. They know that I'm gonna I'm gonna make that my final thought. It, it we're gonna be living we're gonna be living in luxury. Indoor hot tub, indoor swimming pool. We're gonna have a, a great game to be catered to. I think either way, we all think it's gonna be a, a close, tight game, historic venue. It's gonna be a fantastic time. So you can follow along at WDM Sports on Twitter, and we'll be back next week with another edition of Impact is on to keep you updated on all things Michigan State men's hoops. But from Luke Sloan, Trent Valley, Brendan Shabath as well, this has been Impact is on. We will see you next week for the post-Butler week week. That was a terrible ending to the podcast by me. I wanted to say, like, no, the, for, the battle for Atlantis week. Right, yeah. I, there's, nothing, there's nothing to really spice it up with. I was trying to think, what's on the horizon that I can end this podcast with why kind of a sassy name? Count all of our Indiana trips. We'll come back from Indiana Part 2. Yes. Post-Indiana Part 2, pre-Battle for Atlantis. But nevertheless, my last outro to this podcast was terrible. So I'm just going to say this. Wherever you are, thank you for listening and have a good one.